Back in California, we lived in a city that was in the middle of a lot of other cities that was right next to the big city of Los Angeles. And while California had a lot of restrictions and regulations about the type of water that would be distributed to our houses, um, we discovered pretty quickly that the water that we had in our house was not the greatest water. In fact, it had a lot of contaminants in it. Some of those contaminants were destructive and harmful to our bodies, not just in the short term, but in the long term. So we decided, well, we should probably get a, a water filter for our house so that we can filter out those contaminants. So we went on the search to try to find the best water filter we could. And we searched all over the place, and we stumbled across one uh, that's called Zero Water, and we found what we were looking for. It was the only one that would filter out those exact contaminants that we needed to get filtered out at our house. So we put the water in, and it filtered out, and we were amazed by what it was. In fact, they sent us this little thing called a TDS water tester, which you could test to see if your water has those contaminants in it. And it's really unique, so I thought I'd bring it along just to show you uh, how it worked. Right over here, I brought some water from our house. Now, granted, our tap water here is way better than it was in California, but if you put it in here, it shows that there are 143 parts per trillion of all these contaminants, total dissolved solids, whatever you want to call them, in our water. And we're drinking that. So we have this filter, and if you look here, you probably can't see that well, but it says zero, 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 zero. There's nothing in it. Nothing. It is just pure Filtered, zeroed, solid, non-contaminated. Mm. Good water. Now, I'm not here to sell you a water filter, even though I really like this one, and I probably could be a salesperson for it, but that's not my job to sell you this great water filter. What I want to do, though, is show a little parallel, because just like this great water filter filters out lead and chromium and, and all these other contaminants that are in our water, to help keep us healthy, not just in the short term, but the long term. There are some things that we take into our lives, some messages that we hear that could equally be harmful to not just our lives now, but could impact our eternity. See, we are bombarded by messages of truth everywhere we look all the time. We hear them uh, from little snippets on the radio. We see them all over the place with the little magazines and TV, and podcasts, and online sermons, from pamphlets and brochures that we read. We see it in songs that we listen to, from speakers, from camps, from retreats that we go to, from Sunday school teachers, and celebrity pastors, and entertainers, and athletes who claim to be Christian, and politicians. I mean, the list goes on and on. We hear truth messages from people that say they are from God, that they are followers of God, and they give you these messages. But how do you know that those are actually true? How do we know that what we are hearing is actually the truth? And that's what I want to talk about today because in this time period where we are studying John's letter, he was confronted with a lot of things happening in the church. Now, he was early on in the church's history. In fact, he walked and lived with Jesus. He heard messages from Jesus but he saw, even at his time, that people were coming into the church and they were sharing messages that were claimed to be truth from God, but actually it was deceitful messages of people that were trying to lead the church astray. 
So John knows that it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get more intense. So he, as a loving father, decides, let me share some advice with my flock, with my children, with the people that follow Jesus with me. So as a loving father, he sits down and he writes some advice for us. And he helps us to understand, how is it that we can filter out what we hear so that we can produce truth? with the result that we can have joy in our lives that will come because of our confidence in that truth. Let me say it in a way that's a little bit easier for us to remember and one that will hopefully stick with us, not just now, but as we leave and throughout our lives. It's the big idea of what we're going to be talking about today, and it's this. Filter what you hear to produce pure truth, which will give you full joy. Filter what you hear to produce pure truth, which will give you full joy. This is how John says it in his letter. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read the first six verses of that chapter. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This is what John says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Little children, you are from God and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Would you join me in a quick word of prayer? God, we thank you for what you're going to teach us this morning. Help us to see and understand what you have in store for us. May you be seen today through these words we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine you move to a new town and you are looking for a new place to worship. So you do some searching around online and you stumble across a worshiping community that has this as its mission statement. The mission of Blank Temple is to encourage benevolence and empathy, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense, oppose injustice, and undertake noble pursuits. You might be thinking, wow, that actually sounds pretty good. I mean, I want to be part of an organization that encourages empathy and benevolence. That's a, a place that I would like to be in. Who wouldn't be opposed to tyrannical authority. I mean, hello, we live in America. That's how this nation was founded, rejecting tyrannical authority. I mean, that's it. And uh, I like to promote common sense. Who wouldn't want to do that? And of course, I want to oppose injustice. There's so much injustice in this world anyway. I should oppose that. And then I want to make my life count for something. So I love that they are endorsing and that they're trying to find ways to get involved in noble pursuits. Man, that sounds like something I could be a part of. That sounds like something I want to go check out. Now, you might be surprised or maybe not surprised to know that I took that mission statement directly off the website of the Satanic Temple. Interesting. 
we wouldn't have thought that. Who would have thought that something that we would agree with would be something that is so incredibly opposed to biblical Christianity? Now, if you read more on the website, you would find it hard to believe, but you would find yourself agreeing with a lot of the things that they promote. I find that fascinating. Now, that's an extreme example, but I want to show you that in our lives, we are confronted with truth. Some of it is really easy to spot as being false messages. I'm sorry, not truth, but messages that claim to be truth. Some of them are easy to spot as false, some not so easy to see as false. What John wants us to do is to figure out how do we do this? How can we tell what is true and what is false? So John basically is saying, well, get a filter. Now, obviously, he doesn't know what a filter is, and he's never seen one in his life. But what he's trying to say is find a way to filter what you hear, to test what you hear, and make sure that it's true. He said it in a different way. He said, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. How do we know this? How do we know this? I mean, like I said, in John's day, people were coming into his church all the time trying to lead people astray. Now, I know what you might be thinking a little bit. Well, you know, I don't think I really know a whole lot about the Bible. I don't think I know a whole lot of truth. I don't think I really know a lot about God. I mean, I'm, I'm relatively new at following him. I haven't really spent a lot of time in learning about him. How would I be able to tell what is truth and what's not? I mean, this is confusing for me. How would I be able to do this accurately? I think a lot of people who are followers of Jesus feel like they need to be what is known as a, a cupper. I don't know if you are familiar with that term cupper, but on your own time, go Google it. Uh, there is a person in America, his name is Ed Faubert. Uh, he is the leading cupper in our nation, if not the world. It is a person who can test coffee and know exactly if it's good or not. Now, most of us are, who drink coffee can tell, well, that's a good cup of coffee or that's really not a good cup of coffee. But few people are like Ed, who can take a sip of coffee and not only tell you that that coffee is from Guatemala, he can tell you what state in Guatemala it's from, the altitude at which it was grown, and the mountain, specific mountain it was grown on. His taste buds are phenomenal. His discernment is off the charts. It's uncanny. What he can do is, is amazing. In order to be a cupper like him, they take people in and they'll do this rigorous two, three-hour test. Forty people will take it, and maybe one or two, if that, will ever pass. It is a prestigious job, but I think a lot of Christians feel that that's the kind of level of discernment or understanding or knowledge they have to have in order to be able to tell what is truth and what is not. And I don't believe that's the case. And I don't believe that John believes that's the case. John is writing this to all of us saying each and every one of us can do this. No matter how mature you are spiritually, God has given us the ability to, to tell what is true and what is false. And I believe each and every person that's here today can do that. You can discern between truth and error if you pass what you hear through three tests. But I'm going to get to those tests in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to just explain a little bit more of why you need this filter. If you have your notes today, that's the first thing. Why do you need a filter in the first place? Well, you need a filter because what you hear may not be true. 
What you hear may not be true. That's the absolute truth in that sense. Now, John, when he says this, I find it really interesting. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why does John use that? What does that term mean? Why is he saying test the spirits? So I started getting curious and trying to figure out what is he meaning by this? What John is really referring to is, the word that is used for spirit is used seven times in this passage. And he, what he's trying to bring out is the motivating or the animating presence of the person. What is it that's animating or empowering or motivating that person? That is the spirit behind him. Their worldview, their mentality, their uh, core belief system. That's the motivating thing behind it, the spirit behind it. And so what John is doing is like, there are two different people that are coming to you with messages that are so-called truth. And you have to decide which one is actually truth. Because one is being motivated, empowered by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is saying, this is what I want you to hear, know, and believe. But there's another spirit that's at work. It's not the spirit of the devil. It's not the Antichrist. It's the spirit, the animating power, the animating desire or worldview that is Antichrist, that is different from what God wants for us to know and believe. So John is saying, here you have these two spirits that are at work. They're both trying to get you to listen to them. How do you de determine what is true? Well, that's our job. That's our mandate. That's our responsibility to take what we're hearing from wherever we're hearing it and determine whether or not it's actually from God or not. Now, this is something that shouldn't be new because this is what has been taught by Jesus himself. Jesus taught his disciples back when he was walking on the earth. He said, you need to be careful because there will be false teachers who will come in. They'll be dressed like sheep, but below the surface, they'll be ferocious wolves. He said, people will come in to try to lead you astray. They'll look right, they'll sound right, but the message they're telling you is not right. Peter picked up on this, and when he wrote a letter to followers of Jesus, he said this in chapter 2, verse 1, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. And then here, John, another disciple of Jesus, says, be on the alert. Watch out. Be careful because people are going to come in and they're going to try to convince you that what they're saying is true. And as a result, they're going to lead you astray. So you need to be alert and be able to discern what is the truth. All of us need to understand this. And Figure out how do we be ready to test or examine or filter what is the truth. We have to know the truth. Back a, a while ago, my wife and I went to a, 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 an event. And while we were at the event, it went a little bit long. And we had childcare for our daughter. Uh, we just had one at the time, Madeline. And we had wanted to get her, but we couldn't get away to go pick her up. So we sent a friend of ours to go pick her up. Now, in order to do that, we had a special key code word that she knew that if she heard that word, she could trust the person who was telling it to her, and she could go with them. Now, she knew the word, and we knew the word, so we sent my friend Albert to go pick her up. So we assumed everything was going to be okay until I got a phone call from Albert, and he's saying, um, Maddie's not wanting to go with me today. It's like, well, did you say the code word? Now, I'm not going to tell you our code word, but it's something like, 
frozen fever. So I said, it's frozen fever. Tell her frozen fever. That's the code word, and she'll go with you. Well, he said, I said the word, but she's not coming. She says, that's the wrong word. So I got Maddie on the phone. I said, Maddie, you can trust Albert. I sent him. Remember, he said the code word. It's like, that's not the code word. She said, that's not it. It's not frozen fever. It's frozen. Right. No, frozen fever. She said, no, it's frozen. Just frozen. I said, are you sure it's frozen? She said, who is this? <laughs> this is... Your dad, and I'm telling you, this is the code word. Now get in the car with Albert. You need to come with him so we could go home. So she finally hung up the phone and got in the car, but she knew the difference between what sounded right but was just a little bit off. It wasn't frozen fever. It was frozen, but she could tell the difference between those, and she knew who to trust and who not to trust even when it was that close. And that's what we need to do. We need to be aware of what's coming at us and the messages that we hear so that we can discern what is actually true and what is not. Now, I want us to be careful really quick before I move on. We can have a tendency to kind of swing the pendulum one side or the other where we can be really superstitious and believe everything that we hear or super suspicious and not believe anything that we hear. Well, we can't be either of those because we won't hear truth at all. So we have to be careful to know that there are some messages that we hear that will not be true, and there will be a lot of messages that we hear that are true. We have to know the differences. So we need a filter to do that in our life. Well, how does a filter work? How does the filter work? Well, we need to filter what we hear through the truth. Here's the cool part. John is not saying this. He doesn't get through with this first part and say, okay, guys, you all need to test out all the things that you hear and determine whether it is true or false. Test the spirits, see whether or not they are from God. Get to it. He's not just telling us to go do it. He says, I want you to test the spirits. Test what you hear. See if it's actually true. Here's how you do that. He's not going to leave it to chance. He's not going to make it confusing for us. He's not going to make it hard for us. He says, I'm going to help you determine what is true and what is not. Right from the start, he says this. Read along with me in verse 2. John says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming. And now is in the world already. Skip down to verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The first test that we need to do in our lives to determine what is truth and what is not is to test the message we hear from the person that we're hearing from what do they believe about Jesus? In other words, what is the core of their faith? The core of their faith, that's the most important foundation because if they're building their foundation on anything else except for what the truth is about Jesus, everything that they believe will fall crumbling down. 
So John says, test out what do they believe about Jesus. Back in his day, there were quite a few people as the gospel is spreading throughout the Mediterranean world. A lot of the people that were there, they would hear this and say, wow, that is fascinating. That sounds amazing. And they would take portions of the gospel that they liked and they would incorporate it into their own belief system. They would take the name, follower of Jesus, they would even teach a little bit along those lines, but they're coming at it from a totally different worldview. They were not teaching exactly what the truth was. An example of this, which is probably what John was facing at that moment, was a teaching by a man named Serinthus. And what he was teaching at that time is this, that the spirit of Christ descended like a dove on the man Jesus after his baptism. And then was with Jesus throughout his entire life in ministry during that time where he was doing miracles and teaching and healing people. But then right before the cross, the Spirit of Christ left Jesus. So Jesus died without Christ. It's really confusing, but what he was trying to get at is that there's no way that God would come to this earth and suffer and die. So he had to find a way to change that. So he changed who Jesus was. This must be in John's mind because right from the start of his letter, he's talking about the tangibility, the audibility, the ability to see, hear, and touch Jesus as foundational to our faith. And then even here, he was talking about how Jesus came to this earth and he used very specific terms. He says, you need a test. Do they believe that Jesus came to this earth took on a human body that he became fully human, and that's how he stayed all the way through his death and resurrection, and that's how he is now. The term John uses communicates that, that at one point in history, Jesus became fully human, and that has results all the way into the future indefinitely. There's no end. So what John is saying is, you have to test, do they believe the truth about who Jesus is? Because if they don't believe that, then everything else that they are going to say is coming from a place that is not true. In fact, this is how an early church father, a man named Ignatius, he said this. Turn a deaf ear, therefore, when anyone speaks to you apart from Jesus Christ, who was of the family of David, the Christ of Mary, who was truly born, who ate and drank, who was truly persecuted under Pontius Pilate, was truly crucified, and truly died. What he's saying is, don't listen to anything else if they don't get Jesus right, because if they don't get Jesus right, everything else is going to be wrong. Now, I want to stop and, and just kind of do a little rabbit trail, because this is so, so good. Okay, this is what gives hope for the world. This is why the gospel gives such hope for the world, because we believe that there is a real Jesus, that Jesus really lived. Life is real. We believe that suffering is real. Jesus came and he suffered for real. We believe that death is real. We all experience death. Jesus experienced death. Death is real, but Jesus conquered it, and life eternal is real. And Jesus rose from the dead and he gives it to us. And that is the greatest hope for this world is that we have hope beyond death, that Jesus has conquered the grave. And if we don't believe that Jesus is truly God, that he came to this earth, 
was born of a virgin named Mary, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he died on the cross for those of us who believe in him, forgiving all of our sins, that he rose from the dead three days later, and that he is coming again. If we don't get that right, then everything else crumbles. It's all about who Jesus is. That's the first test you have to do. What do they believe about Jesus? If they get it right, keep going. Second test. Going to the second stage of the filter. First stage, the core of their faith. Second stage is the content of their teaching. The content of their teaching. He goes on to say that the second mark of those we know are from God is that they listen to John. They listen to what he's saying, and his readers know that it's from God. In fact, in verse 6, he says this, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. He's basically saying, now you can tell that our message is from God because God's people listen to us. Now, that has got to be the height of arrogance in my opinion. Could you imagine, like, if I stood up here and I were to say, what you're hearing today is absolute and final truth because I am saying it. I am from God. Therefore, it is true. And you'll believe it to be true because you are from God too. So you'll know that I am from God also. Does that sound a little bit weird? Like you would think, boy, that's a little arrogant from that guy up there, right? Like, I don't know if I should trust him. Because if I'm coming at you just as a normal, personal, independent believer and say, I am from God and the message I have is from God, it's hard to believe that. But we're not talking about just any person that's here. We're talking about the Apostle John. And John has already set the stage for what that means. Now, why is it that we can believe what John is saying, what John is writing here? Why is it so important that he is saying this is the message and it's truth because it's coming from us and you can believe it to be true because it's coming from us? Why? Well, he said it already at the very beginning of his letter. He says, because I was there. I saw Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I touched Jesus. I saw Jesus live and do everything. I saw him do all of his miracles. I heard his teaching. I watched him die on the cross. I was right there. And I saw him rise from the dead. I saw him alive after I saw him die. And then I watched him ascend to heaven. I was there and I witnessed of it. This is what he said at the very beginning of his letter. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that you may fully share our joy. He was there. He sucked. He saw it and he wrote it. But there's more. John knows something special. He knows that there is a certain affinity, a certain connection between the people of God and the word of God. He knows that when the word of God is genuinely and truthfully spoken, that those who truly follow God will respond to that truth, will listen to that truth, because they know it's truth. 
Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, another one of John's writing, that he who belongs to God hears what God says. Later on in John 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice and they listen to me. Later on in John 18, he says, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to his witness to the truth. In the same way, John is saying, there is a connection that we share. Something unites us together so that when the message of God is being proclaimed, we know that it's the truth. And who is it? It's the Spirit of God who dwells within every believer who is helping us to understand what is the truth. How do we know it to be true? The focus of this is not, of what John is saying, is not to say, if someone comes into your midst with new revelation, he's not saying that. He's saying when people come and they teach you the truth that's already been revealed, you need to be able to determine if it's true or not true. And you do that because the Spirit of God is at work inside of your heart. Now again, I want to I reiterate this because I feel that a lot of times we shrink back into thinking, well, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. I haven't read the Bible enough, so how do I know? How do I know it's already been said? How do I know if it's true or not? How am I able to determine whether or not this is actually right? Well, God has given us the Spirit that will help us to determine what is true and what isn't. Back when I was in college, I served at a church in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And while I was there, I came across a family that I thought they were the coolest family in the world. I mean, they dressed cool. They parented their kids in an incredible way. They were really relatable. They made killer food, which was really important as a college student. And most importantly, they really loved Jesus. I spent a lot of time with that couple, with that family, and got to know them really well, and we'd have a lot of discussions. Along the way in our discussions, they introduced me to a book called The Open Door, and I started reading it with them, and, and what I discovered was this book was talking about or communicating a new way to look at the return of Jesus. And as I was thinking through that, I thought, wow, something doesn't seem right about this, but I mean, I love this family, and the family seems great, and I'm going to believe that they know the truth, and I'm just going to start talking with them about it and figuring out more. So we would read, and then we would talk, and we'd read, and we'd talk, and I'd share it with some of my friends. And, and I thought that this was the truth, but I was really thankful because I had a, a mentor, a really wise pastor at that time, who sat me down, and we started talking about this and going through what they were teaching and seeing how it lined up with the rest of Scripture. And we discovered that what was being communicated was not actually the truth. And it was difficult to, to come to realization with that this family was deluded and that I was slowly being led astray into that as well. But this pastor helped me to understand what the truth was. And inside of that, I see the same thing that could happen with each of us. As we come across something in our lives, maybe you read or hear something and you get this little check in your spirit. That it just doesn't sound right. And if you don't know where or why it doesn't sound right or how it matches up with Scripture, that's what the community of faith is for, to help each other to see what is the truth and how do we stick with the actual truth and resist that which would lead us astray. Every single person that is here can do this. 
Whatever you listen to, whatever song that is sung, whatever you read, whatever message you hear, filter it through the core of their faith, the content of their teaching, the last stage of the filter is the character of their lives. The character of their lives. John talks at the very end of this passage and he says, they are from the world. And therefore they communicate through the viewpoint of the world. And therefore the world listens to them. Three times he uses the word world. Three times. He's emphasizing that it is not the community of faith that's recognizing these messages. But the actual outside community, those who are not really following Jesus, we can always tell who is really communicating truth to us if, if we look at their lives. Their lives will show and demonstrate also that they follow Jesus. They listen to his teaching. They follow his example of his life. One of the things that bugs me the most is when I see a celebrity or an athlete or entertainer who says that they are a follower of Jesus, and they'll say something that sounds incredibly truthful, and then you go look at their lives, and their lives are completely opposite of what they say. Even though it sounds right, even though what they say may be truth in some capacity, the character of their lives doesn't match up with who they really are. There are a lot of pastors who have led great and successful churches who have had to leave those churches because of character issues in their lives. And it discounted everything that they had said previously. People that got caught up in loving money or got caught up with lust or with power. And that became their focal point. And everything that they had said was meaningless because the character of their lives didn't back up what they were saying. As we are hearing messages of truth that come to us from whatever angle, whatever direction, it's important for us to know, how do I filter that through truth? What do they say about Jesus? What do they teach? Does it match up with what I know in the Bible? Does the character of their lives match up with who Jesus is? Last thing I want to talk about is this. What will this filter produce in your life? If we filter all this through and we see, okay, what is going on? Is this true or false? What is the end goal? What is the result? That's the last thing we want to talk about. What the filter produces is this. Victory, confidence, joy. Victory, confidence, and joy. John is saying, listen, all these people are coming in to you and they're trying to tell you these messages and trying to lead you astray, but I'm going to tell you something. It's not true. And if you can test them and you can find out that it's not true, then you will be victorious and you will find joy. And it's going to change your life. This is right in the middle of the passage. He says this. You, you, puts it in the front saying, you guys are not like them. They are from the world. They are received from the world. They are telling you messages that are not true. That's not you. You belong to God. And you have conquered them. Why? Because you have not been deceived by what they're saying. You have not succumbed to their smooth talk. You have not listened to their lies. You have not been caught up in what they are teaching. And as a result, they have no place in your midst. They have had to leave. And you are victorious over them. It is amazing. They had the victory over what these false teachers are trying to do because they stuck with truth. 
And it wasn't because they knew everything in the Bible. It wasn't because they had supernatural, uncanny discernment. Do you know how they conquered, how they stood up, how they were able to find out the message of truth? It said, because greater is he who is in you than what? He who is in the world. It's the spirit of God that's at work inside of us that makes us victorious. Not based on our intellect or our knowledge. It is him at work and his power working through us. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of false teachers. And you don't have to be afraid of false doctrine. Because the person who is inside of you is greater than all of those. The truth that you have inside of you about Jesus. The truth that you believe is greater than the false Wisdom you hear. The truth about Jesus is so important. Now listen, I want you to be careful about this because inside of our lives, each of us are going to come in contact with people that are going to try to outwit us. They're going to try to deceive us. They're going to try to determine different things about us and find a little chink in our armor to try to battle us down. To try to say, what you believe is not true, let me tell you why. And they'll come at you, and you'll find that your faith is starting to, to whittle down and starting to waver. You're thinking, well, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for all these objections to, to Jesus. I don't have an answer for this worldview. I don't have an answer for what they're coming at me with. And you start to, to fear, what do I do? You hold tightly to the truth. You hold tightly to what you know is true about Jesus. That will hold you firm. Listen, these disciples, John and the rest of the disciples, they were able to stand up to the world leaders of the day. They faced even death because they knew that Jesus was real. They knew that the life they had in Jesus was real. They knew that the promise of eternal life with God in heaven was real. And they could stand up to whatever they faced. Sure, you may not have answers to all the objections that are out there. Sure, you may not be able to combat them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to find answers because they're out there. It shouldn't mean that we shouldn't try to learn more about God because we should. But those are not the determining factor of your faith. Jesus is. And that's who we cling to. And that's where we stay firm in. You belong to God. And this should bring you immeasurable joy. Because you're holding to the truth. And you know that this is the truth. And you can stand up to whatever comes because it is true. And it should give you joy and confidence inside of your faith. One of my favorite movies that I've watched is called The Beautiful Mind. If you are not familiar with it, it is incredibly captivating and surprising. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's real or what's not. But what it is, it's a, it's a story of a man named John Nash. It's based on the book by... Uh, that's also titled The Beautiful Mind. And it's chronicling the story of John Nash, who was this incredible mathematician. Not only was he a professor at Princeton University, which is one of the most prestigious universities in the world, but he was also instrumental in, in figuring out all these different ideas through research, some leading to incredible ideas about game theory. The story talks about John, but what is the real issue that he's facing in his life the core issue in that story is that he's struggling with paranoid schizophrenia, which he is hearing voices in his head. 
And in his mind, he can't differentiate between what is real and what's not real because they all sound the same. And that's what makes treating this condition so difficult because the people that are in there struggling with it, they believe that the voices that they're hearing are just as real as the real people they are encountering. And in John Nash's story, these voices, they became destructive in his life. When he would listen to them, they would start to destroy him. Either they would feed him all these things to make him feel so arrogant, like he's the center of the universe, and other times they would prey on his deepest fears, resulting in him pushing away even his closest loved ones. And as he progressed, he learned how to live in real life because he learned that I need to listen to the voices that I'm hearing in my mind. And I need to understand that sometimes my capacities, my faculties are not working right. My sight and my sound may deceive me. So I need to rely on some other things that will help me to determine what is real and what is not. He had to learn how to filter out the false voices in his life and cling to what is real. At the end of the movie, this is what he said. I'm not so different from you. We all hear voices. We just have to decide which ones we're going to listen to. In your life, you're going to hear all kinds of voices, all of them saying, this is truth. You need to learn how to listen for truth. How do I know what is truth? Filter it. Filter it through the core of the faith, content of their teaching, character of their lives. Filter what you hear to produce pure truth, which will bring you great, full joy. God, thank you for working in our lives, helping us to understand you better, helping us to know you more completely. Help us to take, be aware of the words that we hear, the things that we read, the songs that we sing. Filter it through the truth of your word so we can cling to the truth that we find so we can have joy that no one can take away. We ask this in your name. Amen.